Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Jenny Lingo, back in the studio. Good to see you. Hi, Ken. Good to be here. Brian Small. As always, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. And Jeffrey Kirshner. I followed the breadcrumbs and made it back. Jeffrey Kirshner, this is your day on Law and Reality. We are going to talk exclusively about Social Security Disability and How to Pursue a Claim. The topic is, I think I'm disabled. How do I go about pursuing a disability claim? Wait, if it's his day, I, I, can I just... I, I, no, I'm no, no. Ready. I choose to share my day with all of you. Oh, okay. But you have to treat me nicer. All right. Brian, is there anywhere in the world you'd rather be this morning than here? Do the answer is no. Do I have to answer that? I mean, if you were golfing, you could be getting a triple bogey. You might be getting a birdie, I, but in all likelihood, okay, it would be, be a double a triple bogey. bogey yeah. yeah. With my golf game this summer, yes, it's a triple bogey. All right. So let's 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 get to it. All right. First of all, Jeff. We're talking about disability. I know you, your specialty is workers' compensation, social security, disability law. How long have you been doing that? Since 1995, I've practiced exclusively in workers' compensation and social security. Okay. And, and that, so that's the, your exclusive focus is ex- on those, ex- those areas? Exclusive. I did a little stuff beforehand, personal injury stuff, but since 1995, I eliminated everything. My workers' compensation work is all plaintiff-oriented, meaning I only represent injured individuals. I have never and will never represent uh, corporations, insurance carriers, whatnot. And then with regard to Social Security disability, both SSD and SSI, my work is purely on behalf of the disabled, uh, trying to fight the government to get what's uh, due and owing. Now, you just said two two things that I, I, I need to understand, SSI and Disability an SSD. What what are the two types of so uh, of disability claims? Right. So and, and people kind of get those just a little bit mistaken. They're both similar benefits. They're both benefits for individuals who are injured, unable to work for twelve months or longer. But there is a distinct difference. So we're talking about Social Security, but one is Social Security disability, while the other is called Supplemental Security Income. So Social Security disability, called Title II benefits, that's benefits for people who have paid into the system uh, in five of the past 10 years or 20 of the past 40 quarters. You had to have worked. You had to have work credit. So you, five of the past 10 years or 20 of the past... Right. What do you mean by paid into the system? I mean, I'm, I, I pay wages. I pay my taxes. Does that mean I've paid into the system? Typically, yes. It, it typically takes to earn credit for a quarter. Is um, it part of my, the Social Security payment that right, I'm making? Right, and it's about $1,300 for a three-month period of time to earn a credit for a quarter. And so you have to have 20 quarters uh, in a 40-quarter period of time. They break a year into four quarters. So if, you, if you've met that requirement, then you're entitled to Social Security disability? As long as you're found to be disabled during a period of time in which is called your date last insured. So everyone has what's called a date last insured, meaning they look at your work records. And the very last date uh, on a calendar that they can look back over the past 10 years and show that you've worked in five complete years of the past 10 years or 40 of the past, uh, 20 of the past 40 quarters, that's your date last insured. As long as you're disabled on or before that date, you are entitled to Social Security disability. There are people, though, however, that become disabled, but they've become disabled too late. They've become disabled, but after that period of time where they filed too late, and therefore, even though they very well may be 
disabled, they don't have insured status, so they are not entitled to Social Security disability benefits. So, so when I'm getting Social Security disability, am I getting, just, just like I pay in for Social Security, and then when I retire, I get Social Security income. Right. When I get Social Security disability, am I getting back that money that I paid into the system? Uh, approximately, yes. That, so that's what it's for. Is, Does it is, reduce what I will get when I retire? No, it will not reduce at all when you retire. Here, here's another question. Now, let's say I had been working and I was making, let's just say, $40,000 a year. I took a period of time, went back to school got a master's degree, and now I'm making $80,000 a year for just two years. And then I am injured and I have to seek disability. Is my disability going to be based on what I earned for those last two years, or do I get stuck somehow with the old earnings affecting what I'm going to get paid? And if you only have two years of working, does he have enough to even well, qualify? Well, no, I'm so, assuming that there's enough work work time. Right, the, the, so what Brian is saying is you, you made X amount of dollars, $40,000, went back to school, now you're making 80000 for two years, then you become disabled. And the answer is it's cumulative. It's not just based on what you were making when you became disabled. It's cumulative over your lifetime in terms of your earnings. And they have a formula uh based upon your earnings. Uh, the average right now with regard to Social Security disability is a ballpark $1,200 a month, uh, usually anywhere from $700. A maximum is close to $2,800 per month is what people can get on so, Social Security so disability. Similar to Social Security retirement benefits, it's what you've paid in through the entire, all those years in the system determines what your benefit is, but then your benefit varies depending on whether you take it at 62, 66, or wait till 70. So I hear a whole bunch, I have a whole bunch of people that, that have been in my office and wanted to know about whether or not they can, even though they're physically incapable of working anymore and they're on Social Security disability or applying for it, they want to know, can they own a business? Can they, can they make money from from owning a business, I mean, they've got a great idea. They don't. They they just don't have the ability to run it anymore. What, what's what's the scoop with that? So technically, yes, they can, um, but it's a matter of how involved they are in a business. I, I think the correct term is is passive income. Correct. Is this, Active versus passive income, correct, Jenny. And so active income is actually when you are working nine to five, getting a paycheck and, you know, working on the assembly line or you're actively involved in the business, creating the income. That is active income. And if you are working, making that money, even in a reduced role, you may be limited, you're not entitled to Social Security because you are working. However, Brian is kind of formulating more of you're not doing the day-to-day -day activities, but you own the business, and therefore, as the owner of a business, just like owner of stock or owner of other things, it's passive income. You are getting the profits from the ownership, but not actually doing the actual day-to-day -day grind of the work. And if you can establish that it purely is passive income, and I have that, I've had that a lot, if it's just passive income, then you are still eligible. It's not considered employment or, or substantial so, gainful activity. So if you're it, it, Social Security disability, it doesn't matter if you have assets and you have other income and you become disabled, you're still entitled to your benefit if you meet that Social correct that social, threshold. Social Security disability is not dependent on any asset level. So I have represented people who have very little of nothing to live on. And uh, I recently handled a claim for somebody who has several million dollars 
uh, in their account. But and he's still, still entitled to the because benefits. Because he's got no income, he is clearly disabled. I got him benefits, and he's entitled to those benefits because he's disabled. So it's not dependent on that. All right. So what? So how is that different? Su- supplemental security income is different in that regard, it is, right? It is completely It is different in that regard. Again, it's for people who are unable to work for 12 months or longer. Some differences, though, is that this pays a significantly less lesser rate. These are for people who are really at the poverty level, uh, and these are for people, if you are single, you can only have up to $2,000 worth of assets, excluding a place to live and a motor vehicle. If you are married, they look at joint assets, and that threshold then is a $3,000 threshold, again, excluding you, a place they, to they live. They give you an extra thousand. They give you an extra thousand. Um, so can you be living in a mansion? Yes, you can be living in a mansion or a yacht, if you're Elmer Fudd, a mansion and a yacht. So you can have one place to live, doesn't matter how much that house or apartment or condo costs, and you can have a vehicle, whether it be a broken-down 1970 Pinto or a new Tesla, it doesn't matter. That they exclude. And the benefit is how much? So the benefit is uh, ballpark from $535 a month up to about $735 a month, and it's a need-based program. Same requirements with regard to being disabled. Can you collect both at the same time, Social Security Disability and SSI? There are some circumstances where you can collect both, where you meet both thresholds. That is, that you've you have no worked assets. enough. Yeah. You've worked enough so that you meet the insured status, and you have less than the two thousand or three thousand dollar threshold. But how that works is they combine the two. You don't get hundred percent of SSI and hundred percent of SSD. There's a formula, but you'd get hundred percent of your SSD, and then you might get a little bit of a differential in your SSI. So it may just be a little bit of a supplement, but the primary is their social security See, the practic- disability. The practicality of the situation is that. Let's say you're working and you're making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, um, a year five, six thousand dollars a month, and just getting by, and all of a sudden you become disabled. And now, if I'm hearing you correctly, the most you're going to see out of Social Security disability is is, is maybe twenty two hundred, or even less. Yeah, probably, probably less based on that. But yes. And so. then, and would you in, in SSI the most you could get maybe another couple hundred if you could get both. If no, you would. Let's you probably had assets at that point, so you wouldn't even get any SSI. Yes. You're still going to have a tremendous reduction of available income to live off of. So thank and you. Your for, expenses are probably higher because you're disabled. So thank you for preaching to the choir. I am your choir in the fallacy that when people apply for these benefits, they're no good, lazy people looking just to, no, to just trying live to off by. the system. People are trying to get by, and when people get these benefits, they're not living high on the hog. They have, they still don't have a lot of money, but these are for people who truly are just unable to earn an income. And I, and I find that I'm having to explain that to people all the time when you hear disparaging things, even from people in our government, about these type of programs. They are not programs for people who are lazy or just want to get by and live off the fat land. These people are truly <coughs> in need of these benefits and entitled to these right. benefits. Let's do a case study. Our, our, our client is Al. He's got a terrible back problem, awful pain. It's made it impossible for him to work. He's 50 years old. He's been working as a W-2 employee for 25 years. He's married, two children. He's got a home, mortgage, car payments, credit card payments. He's living the American dream up until the back went out. <coughs> but he's not living high off the hog. Is he eligible for SSD, for Social Security Disability? Sure. So so based on your scenario, uh, you know, he's been working for 25 years. We're going to assume that it's 
25 consecutive years or close enough. So, yes, he is going to meet the uh, five of the past 10 years or 20 of the past 40 credits uh, to, to qualify or have insurance now, status. So his doctor's saying he can't work. Right. And it's not anticipated that he's going to get better uh, in the next year. Does that meet the disability <laughs> Uh, the 12-month disability requirement. How how do you establish that it's you know that it's that he's not that Al isn't faking it? So th- this is kind of where it gets to some of the technicalities and analyzing uh, the case. Is that if it's he comes to me just as an individual did last week, where they called me and said, and it literally happened to me where they called me on a Monday and they said, well, my last day of work was on Friday and my back is bad and my doctors are going to take me off of work. Well. If you just go off of work, that's way too early to anticipate because the law states in order to get these benefits, you have to be off of work for 12 months or longer. Or when they decide your case, if you haven't been off of work for 12 months, that the entire duration of your disability has to be uh, anticipated to be cumulatively 12 months or longer. Yeah, but isn't there there a, a catch-22 in that off work for 12 months thing that when you, the, the whole process of social security disability is that a whole bunch of people that apply, and I think it's a tremendously large percentage that apply first, get denied. Yes, uh, over and two so, thirds. Of- so, and then it takes a considerably lengthy amount of time to get approval, at which point you've been off work for at least 12 months. Right. So, so does that mean apply early? So, yeah. So let me back up, and that's an excellent point. So what I talk to people, if, if it's only been a couple weeks, a month, two months, it's not ripe quite yet. You know automatically they're going to get denied. But when it gets to be the six-month mark thereabouts and it looks like things aren't looking good, I'll encourage people and I help them. I do this myself. I apply for them online. I go online and do that, although they can go to the local office and do it themselves. Yeah, in fact, here, walk walk me through the process. All right, so Al is disabled. He calls you up. Okay. He tells you the story. What Take, take us through the process of how does he file, He's, if he gets denied, what does he do? Walk us through the process. Well, if I'm going to take on his case, he hasn't filed yet. He's going to come meet with me in my office for about an hour, hour and a half or so. I'm going to get all the information I need. And I, uh, with all my clients, unless they've filed themselves, which you can, you can go to the local office uh, and file yourself. But typically, I would recommend having an attorney help you fill out the information correctly, uh, be consistent with re- regarding your application and the subsequent forms they're going to have you fill out over the course of months to years. Um, so he comes in, and comes in, still- meet with them. I go online and I do the initial application. Once we get that application done, it takes 60, 90 ish days or so, could take 120 days for Social Security to make a determination. More times than not, like Brian said, that. It results in an unfavorable decision. How do you receive? Stage. How do you receive the decision? Is it, it is by it is by mail. Do they send it to you or do they send it to Al? If Al doesn't have an attorney, they'll send it to Al. If Al has an attorney or a representative, they will send it to Al, and they will send it to me if I'm representing him. But I always tell my clients to make certain, no matter what documentation they get, always contact me because there's no guarantee that Social Security does what's proper. All right, so is the denial a, like a one pager, a short little letter saying you're denied, or is it a lot? Do they give the reasons why you're denied? No, the initial denial is a one page boilerplate language. Ninety-five percent of it, everyone gets. They make 
change it around a little bit based on your name and the doctors that they reviewed. They'll put the doctor's name in, and they'll say what you claimed your disability right, so was. So you're denied. So, right. I, so you get the denial. Okay, then what does Al do? Just refile another claim? No, that's a fallacy. People think you did not, you file two, three, four times, and then you ask for a hearing. You do not do that. Is you, that the third time's a winner? Third time's a charm. Three strikes and you're out, actually. No, so what it is is when you get denied. You have a window of 60 days to file what's called a disability appeal or a request for hearing. That's what you want to do because that will get your case then eventually in front of an administrative law judge for a hearing. If you let your case die on the vine and you don't ask for that hearing within 60 days, your petition is done and over and you have to start the process all over and again. And isn't the problem... That so if you start with, the process, starting the process over and over again, you get denied again. You're pushing away from the time that you last worked, and if you're sitting there saying, "Oh, I got denied. I'll reapply. I denied. I get reapply," and then maybe maybe the third time is the charm, but you want to watch out when those those you get too far away from those forty quarters. You do well. A couple things that that's one thing <clears> is found, being found to be disabled within your insured status time, and the longer you wait, the longer you risk of having enough medical evidence, things of that nature, to prove that you were disabled within that window of time. But more importantly, it has to deal with what you're entitled to if you're entitled to Social Security benefits. Social Security disability allows you to recapture a maximum of up to one year of benefits prior to the date that you file your application. So the longer you wait, or if you keep filing, or you don't file, you wait two or three years, you potentially are giving up Past due benefits. Just, yeah, you're losing those benefits. Now, right. Jeff, do you get uh, do you do you find you get a better result on appeal uh, than you do at the first level? Uh, do they take a, a more serious look? Look at more of the uh, documentation that's provided? Sure, but let me let me just jump on one thing before I get to that. that's a great question, Johnny. So for SSD, you can recapture up to one year prior to when you file. For SSI, the law states you're not entitled to any back benefits. You're only entitled to benefits starting from the day you file going forward. So if you file, you, you get denied, you let it die on the vine, and then you file again six months later, even though you filed six months before, you don't get any of those back benefits. It only starts the day of. Right. And so and, appeal, you want to appeal, you don't want to refile. Right, exactly. Okay, so and, that's the rule. And number there. two is, yes, Jenny, that is absolutely the way to get benefits. On the initial application, they do a poor job of gathering your records, of assessing your records. You may fill out some forms talking about your problems, but you never get to talk about your problems or take testimony. When you have this hearing eventually with an administrative law judge, that's when you give all of your medical. That's when, Wait, 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 wait. So, so when you do the appeal, you're not just filing a piece of paper, you're actually, you get a hearing? Yes. So you get a hearing, and you get a hearing ballpark 16 months or so, 14 to 16 months. Uh, it's trending more towards the 16 months from when you ask for a hearing until you get a hearing, and you actually have a hearing with an administrative law judge, at which time you make certain that they have all of your records, because you can't really tell before then what, what records Social Security really has. So you make certain they have all the records. You I, I'm Al. Do I testify at this hearing? Yeah, absolutely. You are the star witness because <clears> it's all about you and your symptoms, and you get to testify about things that you truly didn't have an opportunity to talk about before, and so both the judge and I will have an opportunity to ask you questions about your limitations, your problems, things that Social Security doesn't even contemplate, all kinds of limitations. So, so there's a judge and there's you, but there's no, like, prosecutor? There's no one for the government? There is no defense attorney, so there isn't somebody trying to uh, harm you or fight against you, and there isn't a private investigator with a Channel 7 action gotcha videos. Right. Am I going to know what questions are going to be asked? 
you will know what questions are asked because I'm going to meet with you ahead of time and discuss the hearing and discuss what the process is all about and the types of questions that will be asked of you and go forward and with regard to what, what we're emphasizing with regard to well, your Let claim. me ask you a lawyer-to-lawyer -lawyer question. Is it important for Al to know the right, the, 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 the better, more appropriate way to answer the questions he's asked in terms of re resulting in a positive outcome. 110%, not even 100%. When they come to meet with me, I don't give them the right answer. They've already lived the right answer. When you have a claim, you're asking about you and your symptoms and your limitations, your doctors, etc. But it's important to know what the judge is looking for, what Social Security is looking for, so that you know in your answer what to incorporate, what details are significant, what to emphasize. So absolutely, being prepared for the hearing makes all the difference in the world not necessarily going in there cold and just stuttering and stammering. So when do you, when do you get notice of the hearing? When do you find out you're, you're going to get a hearing and is it on a certain date? And what if that date is a problem? Can you reschedule that date? How do you find out when do you have to be there? So when you're represented by an attorney, they will call, for my clients, they call me and we schedule a date and time. And the law states that unless you waive, which I never do, uh, or, or rare circumstances, they have to give you a minimum of at least 75 days notice from the hearing. So they at least have to give you two and a half months, which is great because at that point in time, you look to see what record Social Security has. You supplement the record with updated records, maybe forms from the doctors. I always write a brief on behalf of my clients, and I get my clients in before the hearing, before the hearing date, to prepare and go over everything, go over their medications, go over everything, so that when it comes to, to the hearing, we are all set. So they give you at least two and a half months notice. So you have the hearing. How soon does it take to get a decision after? Do you know at the hearing whether they're going to approve you or not or no? You know, it's... More times than not, you don't, but you get a flavor for it. It depends on the judge, depends on the evidence, so you can kind of get a feel for it. Every once in a while, you know that you've won. You'll, they'll never tell you to your face though that you've lost a case, but you can get a little bit of a feel for it. But typically, you walk out of there really not fully knowing 100%. Getting a written decision is taking, uh, I would say, closer to eight weeks now to get the decision once you have the hearing. So, so when you get that decision, if you're denied then, is there an appeal process at that point, or do you, can you refile, or what do you do, or are you, are you done? You have your option. So I, I find the better course is to appeal to the Appeals Council, and you have uh, 60 days from the date you get the decision to file an appeal with the Appeals Council to make your arguments. Now, you have to argue either that the administrative law judge made a mistake of fact or made a mistake of law. Typically, they don't make mistakes of law, so we argue with regard to the facts. But again, you need an attorney who's skilled, who knows what they're looking for, to do that. But is the, it fair to say that's the smart move to appeal that? Because if you're successful, it's going to relate all the way back. Right. If you don't and you start the whole process over, now you're way down the road. Two things. One, you're way down the road. And two, if you file a new claim at that point in time, you're dead in the water because you have the burden then because they've already made a determination that based on your testimony and especially based on your conditions and the medical records they reviewed, that they weren't sufficient enough to prove that you were disabled. So now you have the burden to prove one of two things, either that the conditions that you had change. fought for before had a significant change and or something new developed and happened. So by That's, all means, you need to appeal. So it's hard, it's, it's hard, to, it's hard to right away refile and be successful. So this sounds like a very long, complicated process, and someone who's applying for disability has very little or no income coming in. When and how do you get paid? 
In terms of the claimant or in terms of the attorney? No, you as the attorney. Because I think people listening might be saying, well, this sounds great and I would really like an attorney, but I can't afford one right sure. now. So I operate purely on a contingent fee basis. There's no money up front and no money if I'm success- unless I'm successful. If I am successful, my fee is based only on any back benefits that are owed to you. My fee is 25% of those back benefits and it's capped at $6,000, whichever is less of the two. Uh, this is a standard uh, fee arrangement throughout the entire country. So no matter what state you're in, what attorneys you use, we are all bound by the same fee agreement. And you get the knowledge of and the assurance of knowing that if we are successful in the claim, not only do they approve the claim and expel it out, but Social Security actually reviews the fee agreement and has to approve the fee agreement yeah, as by, well. But if you think about it, with all the work that goes into that process through the appeal with the cap on your fees, it's really a, a very reasonable fee. And the most important point is, is if you don't go through the process of an attorney, you're not going to end up winning the case anyway. So that, you know, the no, you know, so it's it makes every sense to do it. Let's do announcements because we're running we're running kind of late. We've got to remind our viewers to or remind our listeners to watch the TV version of On Reality. It's at 11 o'clock a.m. every Sunday on TV 20. We have a seminar coming up on Wednesday, September 26, 6 to 7:30 p.m. September is the time for my debt to fall. We're going to talk about all the systems that we use to preserve future income for you and your family so that you have something to retire with. Solutions using bankruptcy, solutions outside of bankruptcy. The key is you trim and get rid of the debt so you can start saving that money towards retirement so you have something to retire with at the end. Jenny's gonna talk about taxes, special segment. Jeff Kirshner's gonna join us and do a special segment on issues on addressing disability claims. Brian and I are gonna walk you through all the systems and methods we use to eliminate debt. Sign up at thavgross.com, lawnreality.com, or call 888-235-HELP. All of our seminars are free. Attendees at this seminar also receive a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. I want to remind our listeners, to you can always come in for a free consultation at Thavgross. Debt issues with Brian, tax issues with Jenny, estate, issues with, uh, estate planning issues with Brian or myself, business law issues with me, elder law issues with Pat Samasco, disability and workers' comp issues with Jeff Kirshner. You can go to the website and just click on the link to request a consult, or you can feel free to call us at 888-235-HELP. Also on the websites, there are three great free reports, how to save your home for foreclosure, uh, another one on business formations, loans and grants for small businesses in Detroit and Michigan, and the Retiree's Guide to Social Security by Pat Samasco. Also remember, you, we have a, every month we have a free monthly contest on the Law & Reality website. Go to the website, right on the homepage, there's a spot to pop in your email address. You're automatically entered into the contest. The winner receives a free $50 Visa gift card, a, golf, a, a Law & Reality golf hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. We've got a little bit of time left. Now, one of the impacts on disability, people that are suffering disability is also the position they're at with regard to debt. Think about it. Your life is, think about Al. His life was going along in the normal course. Mortgage, credit card payments, mortgage payments. He had income. He was paying his bills. All of a sudden he gets disabled and now his income goes from 80,000 to zero. And he then goes to Jeff, and you're working on getting him a disability claim, but he's got a sustained period of time before he's going to collect that money. 
What does he do to feed his family, number one? Well, I can and tell what you about what his he, debts? I can tell what you about what his, is going to happen. He's going to use his credit cards. He's going to use every method and mechanism that he has out there to make sure that food is on the table. So he's going to get further and further and further into debt while he's waiting for the Social Security Disability Award to come in. The problem is, is that it's all about timing in this situation. He's going to need a bankruptcy. Well, wait, before you get to that, shouldn't he use his IRA money before and not not use credit cards? No, you know what? Between using the IRA money is all the money he's ever going to have except for Social Security Disability Award that's going to come in. And that's money he's got to sustain him for the rest of his life. Visa and MasterCard can't get to that money ever, so don't go give it to them. Reality, try to save that money. I would rather have somebody run their credit cards up and... But and then get and then get rid of the debt. And then get rid of the debt. Then then ever touch their four hundred one k or their IRA. Al's situation is a desperate situation that he's facing. That he faces and his family faces. He has to make the tough decisions and do the th- thing that's in the interest of his family. He can't listen to the sweet lady from American Express who says, "Oh, go ahead and tap your IRA. You can take that money and pay." On, uh, pay American Express, and that way your credit score will stay the same. That's bad advice because they're only looking out for themselves, American Express. You need to look out for Al in that circumstance. You need to chart yourself on a course of survival. That's another su- subject for another day. And we will do that. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to One Reality. We'll see you next week.